Chapter 11. Murder Weapon to Go Within minutes, I was reduced to begging. But Miss Lana, I gotta get to the crime scene, please. Sorry, sugar, she said, lining up the salt shakers. It's not safe for you to go out alone. She reached beneath the counter and dangled a gold shopping bag from her fingertips. I forgot this last night, she said, smiling. Go ahead, open it. If Miss Lana doesn't take me to Charleston with her, she always brings me something when she comes back. Is it a t-shirt from Rainbow Row, I asked, because my old one's down to its last sleeve, thanks to Miss Blalick's barbed wire fence. You tore it on Lucy Blalick's fence, she asked, opening the salt. Last March, remember, I said, steadying a salt taker as she poured. Dale and me picked you some narcissus from under the squeaky old water tower of hers. You know, the one, screek, screek. That's right, she said absent, absently. I remember. She glanced at the bag. Go ahead, open it. I can't wait to see your face. I tugged the bag's corner and a green scrapbook spung across the counter. For your autobiography, she said, flipping it open. I slapped it together in Charleston. This page is blank for you. For your coming ashore announcement. You do still have it, don't you? A girl should keep her publicity. I nodded and turned the page. This is the story of the colonel's crash. And these articles are from the old Tapulo Landing or Tapulo Times. The cafe's grand opening, our housewarming, your kindergarten graduation. Here's cousin Gideon going to court. He's handsome, I said, even in handcuffs. And here's the colonel. I leaned over the book. A young colonel sat at a table, camo clad and scrawny. He bounced an unusually good-looking baby on his knee. Behind them, an open suitcase spewed baby things across the table. Is that the suitcase that started the rumors about the colonel's money? I asked. She laughed. I suppose so, she said. Macon started that lie. There's no limit to what some people will say and what others will believe. She uncapped the pepper shakers. Who's this? I asked, peering at a photo of a thin-faced girl about my age. She stood barefoot in knee pants and a trim white blouse, heat curls framing her solemn face. Miss Lana sneezed. That's me prior to blossoming, she said. I was just about your age. I turned the page. And these are my parents sitting in the shade of our oak tree. There's no telling how many Sunday afternoons we spent there. This was before we had air conditioning. A hundred degrees, a hundred and three. Her quiet laugh sounded the way she looks without her makeup. All of us sitting and talking and moving with the sun. I studied her parents' faces, strong faces with eyes that peered straight into my heart. I wondered if my own people would look into my heart too. Your people have kind faces, I said. I wish I'd known them. I do too, sugar, she said. They would have loved you. She flipped a page. And here's where I discovered the drama club and came into my own. It was the girl from the first photo, only shinier, putting on makeup, standing in a spotlight, holding a bouquet of roses. Always remember Bill's advice, she said. Bill Watson at the hardware store? But the colonel said he's an idiot. Bill Shakespeare, she said. All the world's a stage, sugar, so hop on up there. She glanced at the clock. My goodness, the lunch crowd will be here before we know it, and I still have to set the stage and change. I closed the scrapbook. Thanks for this. I love it. I said, I meant it too. I'll study it tonight. Right now, I need to go to Mr. Jesse's if you can handle lunch. 
She glanced at the seven-up clock. I suppose I can. We're so slow. If I need some help, I can ask someone. But you are not to go alone, Mo. I mean it. Be patient, she said. Someone will drop in for a glass of tea and offer you a ride. She glanced outside as I picked up a few order pads to hold my clues. Where on earth is our mid-morning crowd? Beats me, I said. It took me about 15 minutes to find out. As I unloaded my bike from the back of Redneck Red's truck, I saw half the town milling about the top of Mr. Jesse's tree-lined drive. Hey, Skeeter, is my competition here yet? I asked, looking toward Mr. Jesse's house. Skeeter nodded. Star and two plainclothes cops, a young man and a dark-haired woman of undetermined age. Skeeter has a good eye for detail. They've been in there about an hour, to the best of my knowledge. I surveyed the crowd. The cafe's customers stood in dwindling patches of shade, asking questions, making up answers, and passing them along as facts. Star says he'll arrest anybody that crosses his crime scene tape, Skeeter added. Sal darted out of the crowd with two bottles of icy water and handed one to Skeeter. Hey, Mo, she smiled, her gray eyes shy and hopeful. Where's Dale? Grounded, I said. Maybe for life. Maybe just as well, Skeeter said, cutting her eyes toward Attila and her mother, who had set up chairs by a crepe myrtle. Attila had crossed her arms and slouched in her chair, scowling. I zeroed in on Mrs. Simpson, pinch-faced, shrill, beige, as she closed their cooler. I don't care whether you want to or not, Anna, she said, saying, our family sings and you will too. You just need to get over being self-conscious. I smiled at Attila, who turned an unflattering shade of red. I'll try, mother, she said, her voice loud. At least I know who our family is and what we do. Her mother glanced at me and hid a smile. I hate Anna Celeste. Hey, Mo, Bess said, wandering by. Have you found Spitz yet? Because he's mostly an inside cat, and we got 80% chance of rain tonight. Plus, he's a very finicky eater. He only likes canned. We're on it, Bess, I said. But you're right, the first 24 hours are critical. He nodded and wandered back into the crowd. I scanned the rambling drive. Mr. Jesse's old Tahoe had crushed the gravel to silvery gray dust. Grass crept hungry and thin along the path's ragged, ragged center line. Star's stark yellow crime scene tape looked out of place, stretching across the drive and meandering through the pines. How far does the tape go, I asked. All the way around Mr. Jesse's, down to the creek. That's alleged. Skeeter said quickly. I ain't seen it myself. In North Carolina, waterways belong to the people, which is probably why they stopped at the creek. I nodded, but it was news to me. It's almost dinner time, Sal said, easing into the shade. Are y'all cater gonna cater out here? Folks won't want to leave until Star heads out. That's right, Skeeter said. They'll be hungrier for information than for miscellaneous special. An idea sat down before me, fat and sassy, as this is Fess's brainless cat. Sure, we can cater a crowd this big, I grinned. You want a free lunch? Skeeter's eyes became guarded. I don't know. I'm not personally hungry. Skeeter's negotiation skills are legendary. 
It's not so much a free lunch I'm offering as it is a Wonder Bread retainer of sorts, I said. As she perked up, I handed them order pads from my bike's basket. Canned drinks and burgers only. Fries if they beg. One dollar per item. Take the orders to Miss Lana and I'll handle it from there. If I ain't back with the eats by 12.30, tell them the caters been canceled and they have to go to the cafe. Deal, Sal said as an orange cat slunk out of the underbrush. Brush, pale gray feathers stuck to his round face. Somehow he didn't look like such a finicky eater to me. Hate this. Here's your cat, I called, courtesy of desperado detectives. I pushed off and pedaled down the highway zigzagging to keep in the shade so i raced the length of mr jesse's property i ditched my bike in a ramble of honeysuckle by the creek tucked my last order pad into my pocket double tied my plaid sneakers and scanned the bank for water moccasins the warm water crept to my knee as my foot sank into the soft creek bed and i stepped forward mud slurping at my shoes Slipping past the bay tree where Star had tied his crime tape, I headed for the bend just below Mr. Jesse's. I froze as Star's voice sliced through the honeysuckle. Ben, try over here. I peered between Tapulo branches. Star's deputy stood in chest-deep water. Ev, even in a wetsuit, he looked strong. I took out my pad. Deputy Ben, I wrote, muscles. Ben sloshed toward Star on the pier. Water's awful muddy, he said, but if the murder weapon's here, I'll find it. As he adjusted his mask and slipped beneath the water's dark surface, a woman stepped out of the shade 30 yards downstream. Hey, she shouted, I got another set of footprints over here. Good, Marla, Star called. Which way are they headed? I wrote, Deputy Marla, loud. Into the woods. Looks like they might be a boy's, she said. Size five, Nike sole. My heart tilted. Dale's prints. Make a mold, Star shouted. Then see where they lead. Ben surfaced. More trash, he sighed, slinging an old reel up on the dock. A couple more dives and we'll trailer Jesse Tatum's boat, Star said. It's going to rain and I don't want to lose the blood evidence on the gunnels. Blood evidence? I eased forward, bending a branch out of the way. Narrow your search for the blood to splatter this way. He would have been hit like this, Star said, swinging his fist. If the weapon flew out of his hand, it should be over there. Where? I couldn't see. I eased forward. Snap! The branch broke. Star reached for his pistol. You! He barked, aiming about 10 feet to my left. Put your hands where I can see them and come out now. I turned to run and my foot snagged. I staggered and splashed sideways. Out of the corner of my eye, I saw a star adjust his aim. Don't shoot, I screamed. I threw my arms wide for balance. My order pad flew out of my hand and fell as, as I fell into the a perfect belly flop. The creek closed around me, swallowing the sun. I reached back to the thick creek bottom and pushed off. Don't shoot, I wheezed, raising one hand. It's Mo, I cried, wiping the mud from my eyes. I'm a possible orphan. Don't shoot. 
Hold your fire, Star bellowed. It's a kid from the diner. I yanked at the root that tripped me. That's when I made the find of the century. That was no root. It was Mr. Jesse's oar. And was that water glistening on its splintered blade? Or were those bloodstains? Stars splashed to me. Molabo, what are you doing at my crime scene? I smoothed my shirt and grabbed my soggy clue pad as I drifted by. Good day, detective, I said, keeping my voice professional as I pushed the oar toward him. Here's your murder weapon. He grabbed the oar. What the? Mr. Jesse's oar, I said. He carved the handle last winter to fit his hands. I stood up straight, pen poised the way Miss Lana taught me. Welcome to the cafe's cater division, I said. Have you made your luncheon selection or do you need more time?